forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Kyle neglected to make an announcement because I forgot to tell him. Uh, but we, uh, and I just thought of this, that's why I'm thinking of it now. Uh, we have a, uh, you've probably seen it back in the fellowship hall, this half moon table. Uh, what do they call that? It's like a, we use it in the preschool class, but it's kind of where the teacher sits there in the center and the kids kind of sit around there. Uh, we want to make that available to anyone in our church that would like to have it. First come, first serve. Okay. Uh, if no one wants it, then I was going to make it available to one of the other churches if one of these other churches needs one of these tables for their preschool or one of their classrooms. Uh, so anyway, uh, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, after church, it's back in the fellowship hall. You can't miss it. It's a pretty big table. Uh, but uh, the only thing is, uh, you want it, you move it. Okay? Because uh, it's kind of heavy, but you know, we'll help you. But uh, anyway, if that's something that you would be interested in, uh, you can go take a look at it or come and talk to me after church and we'll... Uh, see if we can't figure out a way to uh, hook you up with that. So, uh, as Kyle said, we are in uh, the series called Holy Habits. He said habits, we're calling them holy habits. And we're looking at, at ways that we can become more intentional about and, and consistent with those basic spiritual disciplines that help us grow in our relationship with God. And last week we talked about prayer. And if you weren't here, you can access that message uh, through the church website, familychurch.xyz, uh, if you desire to, to do so. Uh, also, we've encouraged the congregation to join us uh, in that social media challenge of 21 days of prayer that can be found on the Facebook church Facebook page or the Instagram account. Uh, so having looked at prayer, uh, this morning we're going to look at the topic of Bible reading. How many of you know you should be reading your Bible? If you're a Jesus follower, you need to be reading your Bible. Last fall, I saw a story on the National Evening News, because I watch the Evening News um, each afternoon, each evening. I don't know why. It's kind of depressing sometimes, but kind of like to know what's going on around the world. Uh, but anyway, this story was about a teenager over in Great Britain who developed permanent blindness and hearing loss as a result of an extremely unhealthy diet. Yeah. For several years, he had eaten almost exclusively nothing but, get this, Pringles potato chips, french fries, What's wrong with fries? Pringles, potato chips, French fries, white bread, and cured ham. No lie. This, this, was, this happened. It was on the evening news, national evening news. All right? And even though this young man appeared to be a healthy person, at least in terms of his, his weight, height, weight, being proportionate and so forth, those eating habits were slowly taking their toll on his body. And the final result, sadly, is that this young man experienced irreversible loss of his sight and hearing. And that damage can be traced back to his lack of a balanced diet. Simply put, if he had eaten just a small amount of fruit and vegetables on a regular basis, he would still have his, his sight and his hearing today. And that never would have happened. No one would ever surpass the, no one ever gets to the point where you surpass the need for good nutrition. No one's exempt from that. It's not like, you know, you've got a special metabolism and body to where you can eat whatever you want. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter how young you are, how energetic you feel, how healthy you appear to be. As long as you eat those, I call reckless type of things, it's going to catch up with you eventually, right? And those rules apply to everyone. And I share that story because this same principle applies to our spiritual life as well. The process of spiritual growth is identical for every believer, whether you've been following Christ for 50 years or you were just baptized last week. doesn't matter. The rules of spiritual health are the same for everyone. It all comes down to the basics, and those basics 
are the things that we're talking about in this series, holy habits. Because nothing, seriously, I mean nothing, gets a Christian off course like ignoring the Bible. And nothing can get you back on track like picking up the Bible and beginning to read it again. And living in a day and age where statistics tell us that only about six out of every ten Christians, that's 57% is what the actual statistic was, 57% of people in North America read their Bible, get this, four times a year. A year. Yeah. Or less. And only one out of four Christians, actually it's 26%, read it more than four times a week. So this is something we need to talk about. And listen, it's no coincidence that some of the analogies, that some of the terms used in the, to describe God's word in the Bible, all right, are things that directly impact our health. For example, in some places, God's word is referred to as bread. All right? Other places, it's referred to as water. Other times, it's referred to as breath or air. And, and, and that's not coincidental. Those different analogies were given by God for a specific reason. That reason being God wants us to understand how crucial this book is. I say this book anymore, you know, you got, you got your, pull my phone out too, you know, because you got these Bible apps. But this is so crucial to our spiritual well-being. And I don't think we understand that, right? Those analogies were given for a specific reason. And in the same way we would never view bread or water or air as optional, Right? We would never view those, well, I think I'll take a breath if I want to, if I don't, I won't. Yeah, let me know how that goes. Alright? Or I might, you know, take a drink, I might not. Right? Right? In the same way we would never view those things as optional, neither should we view God's word as something that we can take or leave. Right? So let's briefly look at each of these analogies that use for the Bible and see how crucial they are to our health, our well-being, and then I want to talk about our attitude towards the Bible. Bread. Bread has always been considered the basic staple of life as far as food. And depending on what article you read, uh, most experts say that we could go between 40 and 80 days without food, depending on your physical makeup, uh, age, etc. Uh, so, so let's meet in the middle. Let's, let's, let's say 60. Let's say you go 60 days uh, without bread, all right, or basic sustenance, okay? The experts say we go 60 days or two months, max, without food. What about water? How long could we go without water? Again, the experts vary on this. Some say as few as four days. Others say as many as 12 days. Okay? So let's say a week. We'll meet somewhere in the middle there. Let's say a week. So you go 60 days without eating, uh, a week, you know, without without drinking. Uh, what about breath? Right, what about breath? Again, most of the experts say we could go four to eight minutes. Navy SEALs are supposed to be able to... Do like, I forgot, you know, like four minutes or something like that, you know, and, and which, you know, kind of rules me out. Not that I wanted to be a seal. But, but I want us to think about these things in the context of our dependence on God's Word, the Bible. Because if we really believe that this book, that the Bible, uh, is, is crucial to our spiritual health and well-being, I think we would have a different attitude towards it. I think we would not view it as something optional, but something that, that we're dependent on for our very existence, right? Right? I mean, wouldn't you read this more if you knew that you had to? It's not something you could take or leave. Right? How many of you are familiar with the name um, Ivan Pavlov? You're Pavlov's dog, right? 
uh, that, that's with the guy that did that uh, experiment, you know, where, you know, uh, he conditioned these dogs, you know, like to, to ring a bell and then would feed them. And then, and then it got to the point where he would just ring the bell and they would start salivating. All right. Uh, that's how that Pavlov dog, Pavlov's dog uh, uh, statement got started. He learned that when a bell was rung in subsequent time with food being presented to a particular dog in consecutive sequence, the dog would initially salivate when the food was presented. Okay, The dog would later come to associate the ringing of the bell with the presentation of the food. All right. So, um, where are you going with that, Pastor? I'm about to tell you. Let's say you're sitting in a crowded restaurant... And uh, who's got a cell phone? Let's see your cell phone here. Who's got it out there? Let's say you're sitting in a crowded restaurant, and all of a sudden you hear a ping. Or in my case, it would be uh, Van Morrison's brown-eyed girl, because that's what I have for my text note. Anyway, so you hear that ping. What are you going to do? I mean, instinctively, you're going to pick it up and look at it, right? Thank you. I might need that back again. Just like, right? So like, you, you could be talking with someone. Right? And all of a sudden, we hear that ding. 99% of the time, what are we going to do? We're going to pick that up and see who it is that was texting us. Right? And when we do that, now think about this. All right? When we're talking with someone, you know, across the table or whatever, and we get a text on our cell phone and see who it was, here's what we're saying to that person. We're saying, excuse me, you who are sitting right across from me, who I am talking face to face with, you are not as important to me as this person who I don't know, but I've got to check and see who it is. Right? Now, what does that say to that person? What does that say about you when you do that? And look, I've been guilty of that too. I'm not pointing fingers here. I'm just trying to, to make a point here. We, we, we don't, we don't verbally tell that person you're not important to me, but by our actions, we're basically saying, hey, this person's more important to me. So, and we instinctively check to see who it is. Right? In fact, we're so diligent about doing this, you would think that the sound that we heard, that ding or whatever, would be something that, like Pavlov's dog, you know, ding. We just automatically do that. We reach for our phone. How many of you are old enough to remember this scenario? And this was obviously back before caller ID and probably back when families actually sat down and ate dinner together. But you might be sitting at the dinner table, the phone would ring, and your dad or your mom, uh, you know, would say, oh, just let it ring. They'll call back later. How many of you are old enough to remember those kind of things, right? Okay. Just let it ring, they'll call back later. Right? And whoever it was, we, we didn't really care because if it was really important, they would call back, right? Or what? Or, or, or we knew that if it really was important, somehow they would get a hold of us, all right? But we hear that sound, ding, and all the world comes to a screeching halt because we got to see who that is. The other interesting thing about text messages is the fact that we always read them, don't we? I mean. 99 and 44% 100% of the time, we're going to read them. I can't imagine a time when you wouldn't, right? When we, In fact, when we talk to someone, we don't ask, we don't ask, did you get my text? We know they got, he said, did you read my text? Right? You think about it. We don't ask, did you, we say, did you read my text? Okay? 
And, and I'm willing to bet that no one, right? No one in here has ever heard or made the statement, hey, I got your text, but I didn't read it. Right? I mean, I've never said that. I'm willing to bet you probably never said that. I got your text, but I didn't read it. Right? I got your text, but I didn't read it because I'm not really a reader. And I prefer that you call me because I'm more of a talker than a reader. No one's ever heard that. At least not in this church, I don't think. That category simply doesn't exist. But you know what? In over 43 years of ministry, I have heard a similar excuse made regarding a text message that God has sent to every single one of you. Because we have, in fact, received a text message from God. It's called the Bible. It's called the Bible. And according to many people I've talked with over the years, one of the most common reasons I'm told as to why people don't read their Bible God's text message to them is, well, I'm not much of a reader. I actually had someone tell me that one time. I actually had someone tell me that time. Well, I'm not much of a reader. While they're reading a text that they had just got. Okay? Sad thing is, In most of those instances, the person I was talking to, their lives would look radically different. Radically different. And they'd be much better off had they spent time reading that text from God. Because all of us have received a text message from God. And had we applied it to our lives throughout the various stages of our lives, our lives would look completely different. Our marriages would look different. Our jobs would look different. Our families would look different. Our finances would look a lot different. In some cases, our bodies would look different. He's gone to meddling now, hadn't he? Our moral choices and decisions would have been much different. We would have treated people differently. In fact, some of you would probably have a different mother-in-law or father-in-law. Right? If we had paid attention to God's text message to us earlier in life. Our lives would look much different and we'd be in a much better place today. And that is a fact. So I'm going to look at some similarities between the Bible and text messages. For some reason, the most important text message in the world, for the most part, has been ignored. And this text message is way more important than any message you're going to receive on your phone from a friend. Okay? So, three similarities between God's text message, the Bible, and any other text message we might receive on our phone. All right? Number one, like a text message, the Bible is very personal. The Bible's very personal. It's a very personal book. In fact, parts of it are so personal, it almost seems as if you're peeking into someone's diary. And we're going to look at someone's diary. It's called the book of Psalms here in just a minute. Okay? So, it's very personal. Second, like a text message, the Bible is from someone who knows you. I mean, like, yeah, the Bible is from someone who knows you. When you get a text, it's probably going to be from someone who knows you, right? So, in that sense, it's like the Bible's like a text message. Like a text message, the Bible is also relevant. It's also relevant. More relevant than you know. Relevant because it applies to every facet of our life. But it's also relevant because it's timeless. 
God's text message applies to our lives, whether we're in middle school, high school, whether we're living in Wellsville retirement community. This word, this Bible, this text message will always be relevant to our lives, no matter where we're at, how old we are. So my prayer is that you would all begin reading God's text message to you with the same sense of urgency and attention that you would with receiving a text on your phone. See, I've already taken away that lame excuse that most people, I'm just not a reader. Yes, you are. You're just a selective reader. You choose what you want to read, right? You choose what you want to read. So, as we look to God's text message to us this morning, it's my prayer that these things will begin to happen. Number one, we'll begin to answer God's text message to us. Number two, we'll begin to do what the message says. And as God begins to change our lives as a result of doing what he says, that we'll look forward to getting more text messages from God. Now, this is going to be more of a challenge for some of you than others. After all, if you weren't taught the importance of reading God's text message or reading the Bible while growing up, there's really no reason why that we make you think you would need to now. Why, why? You know, I mean, this thing's, this book is like, you know, so old. It's written by all these different authors. It's hard to read. It's hard to understand, right? And that's true. Those things are true, right? Even for those who attend church regularly in this day and age, right? You don't even have to own a Bible, though, really. You think about it. You don't even have to own a Bible in this day and age. You can come here on Sunday mornings and read it up on the screen. Have some preacher like me or some preacher on the radio driving to work, coming home from work, read it to you. Right? But at some point in your life, if you make a decision to follow Christ, you'll have to learn to read his text message. All right? Now, um, you might be surprised when you start reading the Bible what's in there. You also might be surprised what's not in there. All right? You might be surprised, because I think probably all of us have heard uh, different comments made about the Bible. And, you know, some people know just enough about the Bible to make them dangerous, right? But you start reading this Bible, you're going to find out what's in there and maybe what's not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. Not in there. Money is the root of all evil. No, 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 no. The love of money is the root of all evil. Right? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Now, judge not lest you be judged. That's actually taken out of context more than misquoted. Sadly, the end results are the same. Furthermore, there's all kinds of stuff in God's text message that you probably won't have a clue about because you haven't read it. Look, if you're going to take the time to get up on Sunday morning, all right, and come in here, get your kids up, get them dressed, Drive into church. You're going to make the sacrifice to do that. Don't you think you owe it to yourself to actually listen to what God might have to say to you? That's not a trick question. I, I, I think, really, if you're going to take, if you're going to make that commitment, that sacrifice, don't you think you owe it to yourself to at least see if God wants to say something to you? I've heard all the excuses, but pastor, I tried. I really tried to read the Bible once. It's really hard. Okay, then, God forbid that you ever do anything hard. Don't want anyone to do anything hard. Now, let, let, let me tell you what's hard, okay? Hard is making some very stupid and unwise choices in your teens and early 20s that come back to haunt you in your 30s and 40s and even beyond. That's hard. That's what's hard, right? Hard is making very, very bad value judgments that haunt you into the next phase 
or chapter of your life. Hard is making a poor choice in whom you marry, or poor choices on, on how you conduct yourself in the marriage relationship. Hard is raising your children in a matter that takes them down a pathway that you don't want them traveling down. Hard is when you make statements about your teenager like, if I had it to do again, I would. That's what's hard. That's what's hard. Spending 10 to 15 minutes a day working your way through some literature that's not always the easiest to understand, I'm sorry, that's not really all that hard compared to those other things. Reading the Bible, kind of like what we talked about last week with prayer. The best way to learn, what's the best way to learn how to pray? Start doing it. You just start doing it. Same with the Bible. The best way to learn to start reading it is just start doing it. Just start doing it. And not just on Sunday mornings or Christmas or Easter. Who do you think would know more about the Bible? The person who reads it 52 times a year or the person who reads it 365 days a year? Yeah. But the only way someone will be motivated to read the Bible each day is if they saw benefit in doing so. So that's what I want to do. That's the purpose of this message. I want you to see the benefits of spending more time reading God's text message to you. So we're going to begin by looking at a passage of Scripture in the book of Psalms that shows us just how practical and relevant the Bible is to our everyday lives. This particular psalm was written by a guy named David. In fact, David, he wrote most of the the psalms, right? But what's interesting about David is the fact that he probably he probably only had available to him the first seven books. When he wrote this psalm, Psalm 119, he probably only had available to him the first seven books of the Bible. Okay? And those seven books were written hundreds of years before he was born. Okay? And the reason I'm telling you that is because one of the arguments that people use against reading the Bible is it was written so many years ago. Well, it's you know been written so many years ago. I don't think it's going to be relevant for me today. Right? Why should I read a book that was written 2,000 years ago? Listen to what David had to say about some literature that was written hundreds of years before he was born, and he only had seven of them. Okay? And let's be honest, the first seven of the books, the first seven books of the Bible, they're not exactly, they don't keep you riveted, do they? Have you, have you ever done your reading in Numbers and Deuteronomy? If you ever want to go to sleep, if you're having trouble going to sleep, open up to Deuteronomy and Numbers and start doing some reading. Guaranteed, you'll be out before long. Some of those rules and regulations. And so so the, the, the resources that David had, they weren't exactly the ones that would kind of keep you engaged, okay? So, I want to read here, beginning at verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. David says, Oh, how I love your institutions. I think about them all day long. Okay, two things. First of all, love? Really? Come on, David. You actually love this book? Seriously? And then he goes on. I think about them all day long. Now, now this is getting kind of creepy. He loves it, and he thinks about them all day long. Surely David doesn't really love this book. And second, how in the world can you be thinking about the contents of this book all day long? You're the king, David. You've got, you've got, you've got kingly things to do. You're too busy. You surely you can't be thinking about this book all day long. You've got things keeping you busy. And honestly, full disclosure here, on my best days, on those days where I'm motivated to read the Bible and God speaks to me personally, and it's really exciting, even on those days, I don't think about this book all day long. I should, but I don't. 
Just being honest, okay? Which prompted me to write down this question in my notes. What do you think about all day long? What do you think about all day long? And how do those things I think about all day long impact the choices and decisions that I make each day? See, that's an important question that we need to answer. Because if you're honest, you'll agree that the things that we think about all day long do impact the choices and decisions that we make each day. Not only did David love this book, or at least the version of the book that he had that was available to him, he also let the contents of this book influence his daily choices and decisions. Verse uh, 98, your commands, he goes on, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. How do God's commands make us wiser than our enemies? Because in this book, God's text message to us, we discover how God views the world. That's how it's helpful. We see how God views the world through this book. Right? In essence, what David is saying here, he says, the more time I spend in this book, the more I understand how the world works. The more I understand people. Right? the more I see how life works. That's what he's saying. The more time he spends reading God's text message, all right, the wiser he becomes. Because, as we all know, wisdom is not as complex or unattainable as we might suppose. Wisdom sometimes comes from reading between the lines. All right? Wisdom is when we're able to anticipate what needs to, be, what needs to happen in light of what might happen. How many of you ever found yourself where you needed some wisdom? Go here. I'm going to encourage you. Next time you need some wisdom, start reading in this book. David says, for they are my constant guide. In other words, David has interacted so much with God's text message that it influences his daily decisions. Right? The American Standard Version of that verse says, they are ever with me. Do you realize how much of an edge you would have in life if you could become so familiar with God's text message, that at any point during the day, even in an unexpected interruption, that you would be so in tune with God's word that you would make a decision knowing that you were being led by the Holy Spirit. You can do that. That's attainable. Verse 99, yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. Insight is simply the ability to see things that other people don't or can't see. All right? talking about the ability to understand things you otherwise wouldn't understand. Insight is looking at seemingly random set of things or circumstances and being able to connect the dots. Because sometimes we, we encounter things in life, and man, it's hard, it's hard to connect the dots. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating for us. Right? Anyone can see the dots separately. It takes that wisdom to be able to connect them together. David's saying that because he so immersed himself in God's word, God's text message to him, he actually has more insight than people who have more formal education than he does. Not only that, knowing God's word actually gives him an edge on those people who have more life experience than he does. Verse 100, I am even wiser than my elders. Look at that. I'm even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. In other words, because of his knowledge of God's word, David was wise beyond his years. Have you ever known anyone that's wise beyond their years? Everyone to a person that I've known like that is someone that had a close relationship with God's word, God's text message, the Bible. See? See, oftentimes we get this thing turned around. We tell God, show me how this works and I'll do it. Right? Show me how this works and I'll do it. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The pattern of the Bible and those great men and women 
of faith, it's the opposite. Men and women of faith take God at his word first. Right? First they obey. And then God begins to show them what they're looking for. Which is totally consistent with how God has dealt with man. Right? God always requires some element of faith on our part before he moves on our behalf. He had Moses, right? We talked about that. He had Moses stretch out a staff before he parted the Red Sea. He had uh, Moses strike the rock, right, with the shepherd's staff before he the water came out. He had the priest step into the Jordan River, put their toe in there before it stopped up so they could cross over into the promised land. In other words, understanding and obedience go hand in hand. Andy Stanley put it this way. He said, to understand why, submit and apply. To understand why, submit and apply. In other words, the best way to understand God's text message to you, right, is to just begin to obey it. As a child, how many of you had your parents say, uh, because I said so? Why? Because I said so. That's the prerogative that parents have, right? That's what we're able to do. Now, fast forward 25 or 30 years, and it's come full circle, right? (laughs) Child asked to do something, you say, no, why? Because I said so. Is it beneficial for them to do what we asked them to do? Right? Yes. They may not realize it at the time, but as as their parent, we know what's best. We tell them that, but they don't get it. Okay? But it's after the obedience that we see how it all begins to fit together. Now, if that's true of us as parents who aren't omnipotent, all-knowing like God, how much more would that be true of God, our Heavenly Father? When God asks us to do something and we ask how come, he doesn't verbally say, because I said so. But there is a sense in which, you know, the only way that we'll fully understand is when we begin to apply it. That's the way it sometimes is with God's text message, the Bible. We read these truths, these life principles regarding what we're to do, how we're to conduct ourselves in all facets of life, at work, at home, in our marriage, in our family, with our neighbors, when we're shopping, whatever. Right? We may not always see how it works on this side of it, but once we actually begin to apply these truths and live them out, all of a sudden it begins to make sense for us. As Christians, we must always operate under the assumption that obedience leads to understanding. Obedience also brings clarity. Verses 101 and 102. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations for you have taught me well. What an amazing statement. David says, when I read God's text message, there are times I feel as though God is personally speaking to me and teaching me. Anyone who reads the Bible on a regular or even semi-regular basis can attest to the fact that there's going to be times you're reading along and all of a sudden you'll come across a verse or a passage and all of a sudden it's almost like God is speaking directly to you. Has that ever happened to you? You're reading along and a lot of that has to do with where you're at in your life. But you can be reading along. In fact, sometimes it's the same verse you've read a hundred times before, but all of a sudden you read it that day and it's like, man, it just like, shoo, pierces your heart. Right? That's the Holy Spirit, right? Now, here's the deal. The more you read God's text message, the more that will happen to you. The more you interact with this book, the more God will be able to speak to you. All right? The thing is, most of our prayer life is asking God. Most of our prayer life is petition. Probably, I will, in, in my own life, this is true too. 
I would say probably, I shouldn't even say this because now I feel bad saying it. I would say 80% of my prayer life is petitioning, asking God for stuff. And that's not bad, but has it ever occurred to you that God might want to answer you? But we don't hear him because when we're done asking, we're out the door. We might allow time, and this is what, we might allow time to read his text message, but we don't give him opportunity to really speak to our hearts, how it might apply to our lives. Verses 103 and 104. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Here David is saying, God, as I've been reading your personal text to me, it's shaping, I see it shaping my values, my sense of right and wrong, my worldview. And then David closes with this very familiar verse that most of us have heard. If you grew up in the church, you probably heard this verse quoted over and over again. Psalm uh, 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to, to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now think about this. We've already established the fact that this psalm was written hundreds of years before David was even born. Okay, How could he say that those words were a lamp to his feet? Right? How could that be? David's talking as if God knows the circumstances of his everyday life. Even at this very point in time when David was reading this. But it's true, because neither God nor his word and his text message is confined to any particular time. It's eternal. It transcends time. David didn't let his faults and his failures keep him from reading God's text message and desperately crying out to God, almost begging God to speak to him. And David discovered something. He found the key to hearing from God by simply reading God's text message taking God at his word and letting God's message guide and direct his life. Now, see, this is something I really want for you really bad. I do. I want this for every single one of you. And some of you do. We're all at different places in our life spiritually. And I think if we were honest, we would all admit, yeah, I could probably spend more time reading the Bible, right? But this is something that I really, really want to encourage you in, you know? Where you come to the place where you can interact with God's text message to you on a regular basis and, and as you do, God begin to speak directly to your life. And it's an exciting thing. It's an exciting, you know, when God speaks to you, it's an exciting thing. And that doesn't have to be the exception. That can be the norm. And the way it becomes the norm is when you begin to hang out more in this book, in this book, reading his text message to you. And when you begin to do that, you will see a difference. It'll, it'll make changes in your life. And you know what? Other people will see that change. They will. Other people will notice a change in your life. If you begin to read this, interact with it, and apply it, it'll change your life and other people will see that change. Your husband will, your wife will, your children will, your boss will, your mother-in-law will. Everyone's going to be able to see that change in your the changes in your life. In fact, I'm so convinced that, that reading this book on a regular basis will change your life for the better that I'm, I'm willing to give you a guarantee. Okay, I'm going to give you a 60-day guarantee. Starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow, if you'll begin to, to read this book, well, let, let's just say uh, we'll go to spring break, okay? We can kind of get a, a, a landmark there. If by spring break, if you, you read this book every day, if by spring break your life isn't noticeably better, I'll give you your old life back, no questions asked. No questions asked, okay? So do your pastor a favor. Just begin reading your Bible more often. And honestly, it's okay if you get frustrated, 
eh, you know, it's just sometimes it's kind of hard. That's okay. But what I want you to do different, just push through. Don't give up. Don't bail. Okay? Push through. Just continue to read. Pray for God. God, give me grace to read through this. All right? Say, well, some, how did I even get started doing that? Because if you haven't been doing this on a regular, it is hard to get started. Where do I even begin? I mean, that's, that's an intimidating book, right? How do I even get started reading this book? All right? Is there a right way or a wrong way to approach Bible reading? Well, the only thing I would caution you against is, is, is don't, don't do the Russian roulette uh, type of approach to the Bible. You ever heard of that? The roulette type of approach to the Bible? See, see that, that's, that's where you say, oh God, if you ever helped anyone, boom. Be honest, anyone ever done that? <laughs> I have too. I have too. But see, that's, that's not always a good thing to do, you know? It's like, you know, one guy that tried that one time. He said, oh God, please speak to me. Please speak to me. He closed his eyes and pointed down at the Bible. And his finger came down on Matthew 27, 5. It said, and throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. Well, the guy didn't like that very much. So he said, all right, God, I'm going to give you another chance. So he closed his eyes, turned some pages, and bam! And it came down on Luke 10, 37. Then Jesus said, yes, now, and go do the same. Or he didn't like that one, so he turned a few more pages and bam! Came down on John 13, 27. Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, go do quickly. All right, as we conclude, five simple strategies for Bible reading. So I want, I want to give you these things, and you, know, you, you can apply any, some of these, all of them, whatever you want to do. The point is just start doing it. If you want to come up with your own plan, that's fine. And you know, we are, in this day and age, we're without excuse because you download the U version. There are so many Bible reading plans out there to keep you on track. Seriously. Just, just, just download the U version Bible app and you've got thousands of, 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 of Bible reading plans. All right? But I'm going to give you five strategies here for getting started uh, to read the Bible. God's text message you on a regular basis. First, choose a focus verse. You know, shortly after I came to the Lord, I was reading in the Bible one morning, and I came across a verse that seemed to uh, uh, kind of jump off the page to me. Probably the first time that it happened, now that I think back on it. But I distinctly remember uh, this speaking to me on a really deep level, more than just like all the other things I had read. You come across it, and it's like, man, I, th- I think God's saying something to me. And, and the verse was Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And the church that I was attending at that time, we actually sang that as a song. So maybe that's why one reason it kind of stood out to me. But uh, And part of it was probably where I was at at my life in that time. But I remember thinking, you know, that, that really speaks to me. So for the next, uh, every day, or the days that I wrote, read my Bible, I would read that verse, and I would kind of read a little bit before and read up. But that was kind of like the focal point of my life for those next few days, right? So choose a focus verse, right? Choose a focus verse. Second, read from the Psalms and or Proverbs every day. All of the books of the Bible are wonderful. They're important, powerful, and meaningful. Of the 66 fully inspired books of this text message, the Bible, these two are probably, uh, have been, at least historically, my favorite. Uh, I, I think partially because of, of uh, the practicality. The practicality, okay? Uh, for me, uh, Proverbs speaks about uh, the life that I would like to have, you know? Proverbs talks about, you know, just 
exercising wisdom in, in your relationship with your money, all these different things. All right? Proverbs uh, is instructional. It teaches the principles of sound wisdom, success, successful living. On the other hand, Psalms kind of speaks to the frailty of my life. Um, when you read through the book of Psalms, honestly, there are times when you're reading through the book of Psalms, it's almost like you're peeking into someone's diary. David is so brutally honest with God that it's like you almost feel like, man, should I be reading this? I mean, really, he just lays it out there. But that's what makes it so powerful for us, too. All right? When you read the Psalms, you'll find yourself kind of saying, you know what, that's me, or I've been there, or I'm there. All right? So begin each day spending a few minutes, even if it's just, you know, five, whatever. You gotta start somewhere. Reading a psalm or reading a section of the Proverbs and see what there is to learn about life. And uh, you probably know this, one of the easiest ways for reading Proverbs is there, there's 31 Proverbs. Uh, how many days of the month are there? Well, 30 or 31, right? So, uh, so you can read a proverb for that, you know, that'll help you keep you on track. What day is it? What's the, what's today? 12. So what, what are you gonna read? Proverbs 12. Very simple way, right? That's very simple. Very easy to do. As, as far as the Psalms, you can just begin in Psalm 1 and just kind of work your way through. Doesn't matter how you do it. The important thing is that you do it. So begin each day spending a few minutes, even if it's just a few, reading in the Psalms and or Proverbs. Number three, have a morning devotion. First two years of my Christian walk uh, could best be described as uh, the Orient Express. Uh, I, I dated myself there. Do they even have the Orient Express up there? Uh, uh, worlds of fun, whatever. But basically, first two years of my walk with God, and I was up and down, up and down, up and down, you know? And uh, a lot of that was my doing, you know, because I choices and decisions I was making, they were kind of working against what God was wanting to do. So uh, I finally decided to, uh, you know what? If this thing's going to have a fighting chance, i got to put myself in a different environment. So I packed up all my belongings, put them in my 62 Chevy pickup, and drove to Dallas and went to Bible school. One of the best decisions I ever made for two reasons. Number one, I met this smoking hot gal <laughs> when I was down there. But number two, one of the first things that I learned to do was, was start uh, spending time with God each day. Getting up in the morning. And, 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 you know, just, and it wasn't a long time. I, I, I had these ambitions. We had, we had a speaker come through, Dick Eastman, changed the world school of prayer. And he talked about how, you know, he divided prayer up into, uh, uh, 12 five minute segments. Get up and pray an hour every day. And I said, man, I'm going to do that. And I got up the next morning, man, I prayed for everything I knew of and like, you know, three minutes had passed. <laughs> Prayer's kind of like jumping rope. Right? You start jumping rope. I'm going to jump rope for, you know, 10 minutes. You know, after 45 seconds, <laughs> you know, you're out of breath. I backed off of that. I don't let it become legalistic, but I did learn how to begin to get up and spend some time with the Lord each day. That was one of the best decisions I ever made was going down there, meeting her, and then spending some time with God each morning. All right? I think that habit, probably more than anything else, more than anything else, helped me get refocused on the basics of Christian living. The prophet Isaiah says, morning, this is Isaiah 50, verse 4, morning by morning he wakens me, and opens my understanding to his will. The other thing about morning is, look, I know myself too well. You know? <laughs> I don't have a morning person there, I can tell. 
No, seriously, you don't have to do it in the morning. I do it in the morning because I know this. If I don't do it in the morning, it ain't going to get done. Because I get home at the end of the day, especially when daylight savings time kicks in. You come home, you know, you kick back in the recliner at 5.15, it's dark. You know? I know myself too well. If I don't get it done in the morning, it's not going to get done. So that's why I do it in the morning. But here's the other benefit to doing it in the morning. When you set aside some time to spend with God in the morning, then no matter what you face that day, good or bad, you'll know that you've already kind of prayed about it and said it before God. Right? So it's like even if something bad happens, you know, well, well God, you know, I, I, I prayed, but you know, God, you know, I asked about this. So it takes away one of the enemy's tools to, you know, keep guilt and condemnation on you. No, no, I, I prayed about it. I don't understand, maybe don't understand it, but I know that I prayed about it and I gave it to God. So that's the, another benefit of, of spending time uh, each day in the morning. If you, if you're not a morning person, Lisa, do it in the after, do it in the evening, okay? But Scott, tell me, make sure that she is doing it in the evening, all right? Don't, don't let, don't let her off on this, all right? All right. Number four, read the Bible like a story. Read the Bible like a story. Some people like to follow a daily reading plan, and that's fine. You know, uh, one of the first ones that when I was down at Bible school, they said, if you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, you'll read through the Bible in a year. You know, and that, and that sounds real easy. <laughs> and, and it kind of is, but man, you get busy, right? You get stuff comes up, and you just, and before you know it, you know, it's been three days, and it's like you said last week, you know what, I missed two days, so I'm going to go ahead and crack all the rest of the eggs. <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Push through. Say, God, you know, I, I know I said I'd do this, but you know, just help me to continue on, stay on track here, right? But begin to read it like a story, kind of like a novel, right? You know, sometimes, you know, you might read several chapters uh, in one sitting. Other days, you might have only the time to read, you know, maybe a, a chapter or a few verses. But begin to read it like a story. Not out of legalistic obligation, but because you want to. Because you want to read it. If you're going to do this, I would encourage you to make sure that you get maybe a more uh, readable version or translation or paraphrase. Uh, The message is is a good one to read. You've heard of the message? You know, and it, and it can be intense. Well, I say you go shopping for a Bible. Who shops for a Bible anymore? You just you know go online and read it. But if you're going to do this, I would encourage you to get a translation that would, or a paraphrase that would that would make it more readable for you. Okay, so you can read it like a novel, right? An easy to read version. Uh, speaking of uh, being online. <laughs> You can also find podcasts, downloadable records, recordings of scripture, like an audio book. You know, an interesting thing uh, took place back in the book of Nehemiah. After the wall of Jerusalem has been completed, all the people assembled near one of the gates, and, and Nehemiah appoints this guy named Ezra to read the scripture. The Bible says that he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. That's Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 3. So I guess that, that that's the uh, 5th century B.C. version of listening to an audio book. Ezra read it for them, and they listened while he read it, okay? But that's what that particular strategy is all about, hearing the overall story. And then number five, uh, study the Bible like a student. And again, this isn't something you probably would do on a, on a uh, daily basis, but occasionally 
approach it like a student. If you want to, you know, to kind of dig in, you know, maybe if you want to re- get some commentaries or access some commentaries, again, online, you don't have to go buy them. A lot of these are free. Some of them are pay. You have to pay or subscribe. But you can get a lot of commentaries free on the Internet. But sometimes maybe approach reading the Bible like, like a student. You kind of study it because you might be surprised. Other things you'll find out as you uh, begin to read the that the God's text message in that in that way. Okay? So, but again, the goal here is, is, is not speed. The goal is depth. So don't, don't kind of rush your way through. I need to, you know, study this and this and this. No. Just take your time and, you know, maybe just say one time, you know, I want to learn more about the 23rd Psalm. So just for the next few days, you know, just kind of, just begin to read over that and read over that and maybe pull, pull some commentaries and see what they say about that. Okay? Alright, when someone says that their spiritual life has stalled and it's not what it used to be, this is the first area to troubleshoot. Are you spending time reading God's text message to you? Though there are many areas of the Christian life that are essential to our spiritual health, and we'll be looking at those in the weeks to come, this is oftentimes where we, where we, we get tripped up, is we, we fail to begin to read this on a more consistent basis. And when you do that, uh, you're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting yourself. Right? When you neglect the Bible, it's like trying to survive on a diet of Pringles, French fries, white bread. It's going to catch up with you. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. And little by little, you're going to lose your vision. Little by little, you're no longer going to be able to hear his voice. Like that young man, lost his vision, lost his hearing. Here's what I want you to know. You've been sent a personal text message from your Heavenly Father, and He's waiting for you to read it. He's waiting for you to read it. God doesn't want me reading your text message to you. Okay? Now, I read it when I, on Sunday mornings because that's what my job is. But at some point, you're going to have to learn to do this on your own and let God speak to you personally. Okay? He's waiting for you to read it. It's not enough to pray. We talked about that last week. Prayer is about talking, not reading. Prayer is about trying to get God to do something. What if he doesn't want us to do something? What if he's just trying to say something to us? Don't continue to let your life slip by and ignore the text message that God has sent to you. Answer it. Answer it. Amen? Let's stand. Lord, I do pray that you would help us as we continue to go through these basic spiritual disciplines. Help us, Lord, to begin to embrace them. And more than anything, help us to understand how important they are. How crucial they are to to our well-being as your children, as your followers, Lord. But even more than that, how important it is so that we can know what your will is for us. Because, Lord, you want to speak to us so much more than we give you credit for. We just never put ourselves, we never posture ourselves in a way that we can hear from you. So, if nothing else, may we leave here now with the understanding that, yes, you do have some things you want to share with us. And the majority of those times, the, the, the primary way that you speak to us is through your word, the Bible, your text message to us. So help us, Lord, as we launch into this new year to be more intentional about and consistent in our prayer time, but also more intentional about and consistent in our Bible reading. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that you would honor that and begin to Indeed, reveal your plan and purpose to us in a fresh way and in that way motivate us to continue 
to look to your word, your text message to us more frequently. And we thank you for doing this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Go with the Lord.